the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome to The Advocate. This is Nick Phillips, your host, and I'm here today with... Kathy Lux, co-host. Yes, back with Kathy. How are you today, Kathy? You know what? I'm doing really well. How about you? Oh, just uh, another day in paradise here. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. Did you enjoy Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was wonderful, as always, and I hope everyone else had a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. Great. Now now back to reality. Yes. So we have a great guest today. Who do we have this morning? We have Dr. Elizabeth Benninger. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have a note on Dr. Elizabeth Benninger. Uh, the founder of Healthy Minds, Healthy Communities Consulting and Postdoctoral Research Fellow for the uh, Cleveland Alliance for Education Research, C-A-E-R, and uh, psychology instructor at Cleveland State University. Uh, she obtained a master's in psychology from Antioch University, Los Angeles, and a doctoral degree in psychology from the University of of the Western Cape in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, Well, my goodness, uh, Dr. Benninger, thank you for joining us. And Elizabeth, you're also a a wife and mother. Um, Your husband is Mike. Can you tell us your children's names and ages? Sure, yeah. So my husband's Mike, and I have three children, um, Jaden, who's six years old, just turned six this month, um, and Amaya, who is 17 months old and a one-week-old Bayani. One week. So we have a full house. <laughs> you do. That's wonderful. And so um, we're going to talk today about um, some of the work that you've been doing with children. Um, you know, we've all gone through uh, a couple years here of um strange experiences, unusual times with lockdowns and so many other things happening. And um, you happen to know quite a bit about how that has impacted our children. And so we're looking forward to hearing all about that from you. And you work on several projects, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. And so you want to tell us a little bit about your work? Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, a few years ago, um, I started a program that um, we call now uh, Cleveland YPAR, which um, YPAR stands for Youth Participatory Action Research. Um, and really the goal of it was to engage young people in the greater Cleveland community um, around issues affecting their lives and really get their perspectives on on these issues. Um, In psychology and in general, I think adults tend to, adults who are experts tend to make decisions on behalf of young people, and um, we often exclude their voices from this process. So um, I started that, um, and uh, then the pandemic hit, and um, so 
the issues identified by youth uh, really strongly focused around their experiences during the pandemic and how that was affecting especially their mental health. Um, so that's been a big project that I've been working on um, and that uh, I see as more of an ongoing movement with young people in Cleveland to really give them a voice. Um, and they've also identified other issues that are interconnected but also separate, um, such as like the impact of um, that incarceration has had on their lives and on their families um, in the Cleveland area and um, the impact of violence. So those are that's some great. of the big issues that I've been working on. That's great. And so we want to hear more about that after a, a commercial break. So stay with us. Stay with us. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick and Kathy here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back. This is Nick Phillips along with Kathy Lex. We're talking to Elizabeth Benninger, a psychologist, and we're talking about children. We're talking about children in the pandemic. So, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. With regard to the pandemic, uh, I want to share a situation with um, my grandson who started uh, high school uh, like in 2019, in ninth grade, uh, was off for two years pretty much working remotely. And then now in 2022 comes back as a senior in high school. So he his whole high school experience is one, a freshman, two, a senior. Well, did he miss anything during these last three years? Well, um, yeah, I think, I think young people miss a lot. And, and that's, a lot about um, what's coming up uh, when when they talk about issues affecting their lives. So I think as adults, we we want to think that the pandemic's something of the past, and we want to just keep moving forward with life. But I, what I've heard from other young people and all their experiences can be unique and different um, is that they feel stuck three years ago, stuck in 2020. So young people who were freshmen. In 2020, and then all of a sudden thrown into their junior year of high school, um, never had the same opportunities to develop, especially socially, um, because of that that social isolation that they experienced during the pandemic. So I think that's really what's affecting young people a lot right now. It had a big impact on not only their ability to socialize with peers, but um, on their mental health and also some grief, too, of of things that they felt that they lost, of like their high school experiences that most of us um, have taken for granted um, because we just had those experiences very naturally. We didn't mm-hmm. live the pandemic mm-hmm. when we were in high school. How is this affecting the, uh, the children as they're growing up, turning into adults? I mean, they're growing up, they're turning into adults, and they still have this two-year gap. Uh, is there something that is going on to help them... Uh, maybe get through this time period? Yeah, I mean, I know um, with regards to, um, like, Cleveland Metropolitan School District, they do have a lot of programs and services that are trying to help young people um, transition. Um, I've worked with a lot of young people who were juniors and seniors during the pandemic and are now um, doing really well in college, especially in Cuyahoga Community College and Cleveland State and um, uh, family engagement specialists in the district have been really helpful 
um, and helping them transition um, into adulthood and connecting them with the resources they need, um, scholarships, things like that, to be successful in college. Um, as an instructor at Cleveland State, um, we've also, I've also really tried to be supportive of students that are transitioning and, and helping them with needs outside of just the academic. Um, there's also a lot of social and emotional learning programming happening at the school district, um, just helping young people understand their emotions and express them in positive ways so they can um, get to a point where they can focus on those academic um, and other like life pieces that that um, can be blocked if they're having mental health challenges. So, Elizabeth, can you tell us what that is in terms of the programming um, for their mental health? Sure. Yeah. The, the How does it work? Yeah. So um, in the school district, and I know in a, in a lot of um, other school districts and, and places, there has been a, an, an emerging focus on social and emotional learning as a foundation for mental health. So rather than just waiting and focusing on the treatment when a child or um, a young, a teenager gets to the point where they're very depressed or suicidal, it's a more preventative health promotion type of approach where um, all students are receiving a type of curriculum where they're learning um, how to identify different emotions, um, understanding the ways that they're currently coping with those. So are they acting out because they're angry or because they're sad or are they acting in and, and becoming very depressed and then learning new skills for expressing those emotions in a healthy way. And so a lot of schools are either having like set time where they provide this programming or um, they're training teachers, which is a lot of the work that I've done to incorporate it just into their daily practices and engagement with students. Um, and a big thing is really just taking the time to pause um, with a child and help them understand why they're acting the way they're acting. Cause it's, it's usually not something wrong with the child. It's usually something wrong with the environment that's not allowing them to cope. And that's a big ask for teachers. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, looking at the, the phrase that, that's being used that uh, maybe seemed different to us back prior to the pandemic is the term mental health. I use mental health as a term that is sort of a, a charged word. In the past, I don't think we really thought much about mental health. Uh, mental health was something that was like off in the corner and affected very few people, and we didn't have to face it. Since the pandemic, uh, has there been an expansion of mental health issues with young people and even older people? Are, are we seeing more mental health issues that we should be aware of than in the past? From, from my perspective, I, I think so, and especially from um, the conversations that I've had and the work that I've done with young people throughout the city, um, how they've expressed it is that all these things were there before the pandemic and the pandemic just made it worse. It just made it bigger for them. So the things that they were struggling with, bullying, challenges with social media, body image, those type of things, the pandemic just heightened all of that. So it was always here and it, and it, it will always be something that's around, but um, the pandemic definitely made it harder. I think in the context of young people, it has a lot to do with 
be their whole social lives being behind screens and on social media and that constant like social comparison and creating these superficial profiles and identities on social media has has really had an impact on them and then struggling to adapt to like how do I socialize with people in person again um, but I think adults are absolutely experiencing a lot of the same things there's a lot of added stressors um, and people didn't have resources to deal with it in the moment mm-hmm. and, and those things aren't going to go away even if the virus goes away or gets into a phase where it's not as deadly as it once was, the impact on mental health is it's going to carry over for a long time. So we need to address that and, and see what it is that people need now, um, now mm-hmm. that, you know, in, in the moment. As, as we went yeah. into the pandemic and, and the whole idea of remote learning and re- remote business, remote everything, uh, social media was with us. We had social media in existence. Was that a help, or has it been more of a problem for us? I think it's been both, and it I, it depends on how it's been used and, and the individual. I think it provided an amazing opportunity for people to stay socially connected, um, that if this pandemic had happened 20 years ago, I mean, the isolation may have been so much worse because we still had that outlet and that platform and we had other things like Zoom and video chats and FaceTime as well. So I think, you know, there were definitely people found some solidarity and and connection through social media. Um, But in my conversations with young people, it seemed to be very damaging for them. And many of them tried like deleting their social media accounts because they could feel that negative impact, but it was the only way they could connect with their friends. So they were kind of stuck on social media and even the only way sometimes to connect with what was happening in their classrooms because teachers were using it to provide information to students. So even for students who wanted to get away from it, who weren't, um, who social media just wasn't a great <laughs> option for them, they really were trapped. They were stuck with it. And it, and that, I think, was pretty damaging. So it, it kind of depends on the person and, and what they're getting out of it and how they're using it. So we, we all, I think, had some concerns about um, our youth and social media before the pandemic. And um, I think it just became exacerbated. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. And so... Um, you work in conjunction with, with schools, organizations. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I, I'm a part of um, the, what we call the CARE Alliance, the Cleveland Alliance for Education Research. So I, um, I work with Cleveland State and um, Cleveland Metropolitan School District um, to develop um, research that's actionable and um, for the district, so not just research to get published so that we have more knowledge, but research that can really help the way the district works with young people. And so a lot of that is around um, gaining more student voice on issues affecting their lives. So this has been um, a big one, really trying to understand how students are transitioning from this 
isolated state, remote learning. Oh, isolated state. Let's, uh, Elizabeth, let's take a short break here. We're going to take another break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux here on The Advocate on WHK. And we're talking to Dr. Benninger concerning child psychology and what's been happening during COVID. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these words. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back to our final segment of The Advocate tonight. Uh, this is Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux. Kathy, again, and thank yes, you for and, being here. And we have Dr. Elizabeth Benninger talking about our youth and children and how the, the, the pandemic affected them and their mental health. So, Elizabeth, I'm wondering, you know, it's really interesting, the work that you're doing um, and you, I believe you said this is going to be an ongoing issue. It's it's not going to just end quickly, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what would you say um, parents and grandparents can recognize and do to help the situation? That's a, an excellent question. And, um, you know, out, out of the... Um, participatory work that I've done with young people, we actually developed an animation and a discussion guide collaboratively with youth in the city um, where they they um, developed questions to spark that exact conversation. And I think the biggest thing that I heard consistently with children and youth across the city was just taking the time to pause and to listen and for adults to be okay that we don't have the answers. Um, and that they can tell, like when when you're just when you're checking in in a way to genuinely listen um, and hear their concerns and validate it, that's such an important thing. And it's really what a lot of counseling is about. And it's a skill that any of us as adults can practice with young people. So I think that's that would be my biggest piece of advice, especially for parents and grandparents, and you know, and teachers. You don't have to have the answers. Just take the time to pause, check in, listen, and validate what the young person is going through and experiencing, even if it's very different from what you're experiencing as an adult. And and you'll probably find that it's actually more similar than different right now. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, with with regard to as we're all getting through this together, I mean, the adults are experiencing their sort of rebound coming back from the pandemic. I think we're all of the the mood that the pandemic is over, even though COVID is still around and we have other viruses and flus and everything around, I think we're all a lot more conscious of, of everyone's health situation. But uh, very interesting learning about the developmental problems that kids have, especially going through their teenage years uh, during this COVID thing. It'll probably be something we'll be noticing for the uh, rest of this generation's development, I would think. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would also, uh, you know, I think that we were all stressed. Parents were so stressed. Many of them out of work, businesses closing, all of the things that came with it. That stress from the parents had to carry over onto the children, right? Absolutely. And and that, I think, would be another big piece of advice is, you know, for parents and grandparents and caretakers to really take care of themselves. It's so easy to say, you know, like practice self-care, take care of yourself. And it's really hard when you're 
in that role. I know as a mother of three, <laughs> through two of the babies born in the pandemic, um, uh, it's not easy, but it does rub off on the young people and they, they take on that stress and, you know, it, it does affect them. So taking time to take care of yourself, um, taking a walk outside, you know, breathing, doing yoga, going to the grocery store alone, whatever it is that helps you regroup is, is really important, too. It has a huge impact. Well, let's hope the pandemic's over and let's hope that we can start working toward a sort of a return to what we would call a normal life and start developing normal relationships. Yes, absolutely. Oh, very good. Well, Dr. Elizabeth Benninger, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it very much. And, you know, I wish you the best in your work and continued success with it. Um, I think your work is really important, and we all need it. And with your children and family. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) well, Well, thank you very much. And that does it for our show today. We're going to be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great, healthy, and safe week. Good night. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset, sat and drank my fresh mint tea, with nothing to do until morning, and only my mind accompanied. The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.